Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. John 21. It has been a powerful, powerful look at Jesus restoring Peter and what that means for us. The restoration of relationship, the restoration of role and responsibility, the restoration of reassurance, the promise that he gives to Peter that he will he will keep that commitment that he made to Jesus. He will do what he said. You know, we've been talking about that and how that the Lord had a plan for Peter. Well, what about the other apostles? What about you and me? Is there <laughs> is there a plan for them? Well, I that's so interesting that you should ask. I think Peter might have been asking something like that. So let's let's look at the almost the end of the chapter. I'm going to read verses 20 through 23. Or I could. Or, you know what? <laughs> That's right. It's your day to read. What am I thinking? Would you please read verses 20 through 23? I'm so glad to do that. <laughs> the people, they, they need the new King James. I, they need I, the new King James. I don't know if you noticed. There's a microphone here. and I, I just <laughs> have to talk. <laughs> in John chapter 21 and verse number 20 in the new King James Version, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Peter has had this most magnificent moment with Jesus, this interaction, this restoration of relationship and responsibility and reassurance. And of course, I mean, it, it would not be Peter if it didn't have to get followed up with some kind of rebuke. Here's, ah, here's an amazing moment. Here's an amazing moment. I've th- this great thing. I mean, just like we get so. So I guess there's a recreation of another moment in Peter's life where he offers the good confession and then turn around and blows it. And Jesus has to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan. Here, Peter, instead of being able to just live in this moment with Jesus and and just be thankful for the restoration and be thankful for the promise and the reassurance, he turns around and he sees John, I believe, and. Well, what about him? Yeah. What's going to happen to him? What about him? And I, I, it's that old competition specter. Hmm. Is, is he going to do what I'm going to do? What, what have you got in store for him? You know, this, this, okay, you've told me I'm going to make it. You've told me you want me to shepherd your sheep. What yeah. about that guy? What's he supposed to do? What's going to happen to him? Is he going to die? Is he going to glorify you through a martyr's death? What, what's going to happen with him? Well, and, and I think that uh, as tradition unfolds about what did happen to the various apostles, we learned that John is the only one that saw old age. Yeah. Old age was not a great concern for the rest of these these apostles. And uh, it's a curious thing to me that we're given this account now in the writing, and it's almost like there's this rumor going on about this disciple. Yeah. You know, I think about John that, uh, you know, he's not going to die. Right. Well, because he hadn't died because all these others had died. And now he's, he's given us some story. Well, I can tell you where that rumor came from yeah and what was said there and what wasn't said there probably this is written after peter died i would i would think so i I think this is going to come i mean if i'm right it comes up 
toward the end of the first century. Mm-hmm. Peter dies in the 60s. Right. This is going to be written in the 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s, maybe. Even. 20, 30 years later, maybe. So Peter's already died. Some of the other apostles have died. John ends up being exiled to the island of Patmos, and he is an old man. Mm-hmm. And this rumor going around that, well, God said he's not going to die. Jesus said he's not going to die. It would be important to put that to rest because well, be. when he dies, we don't want people's faith shaken. No, we don't. So, you know, so one of the things here to point out is it is important to make sure to understand the words of Jesus properly. Sure. sure. And that, that to me, there's just a neat little practical lesson in these verses that I think we should take. I've preached a sermon on it before where it is important to think logically about what Jesus said. I don't just get mm-hmm. to take anything Jesus said and make anything of it that I want. I need to listen to the words. Yeah. For instance, in this sentence, Jesus said, if I want him to remain till I come, what does that matter to you? Right. All right. So, you know, one of the problems would be is either one, if they believed John was going to stay alive until Jesus returned, if he died, they would think, well, Jesus lied to him. Or they might think, oh, no, I missed the return. Mm, yeah. That and so we too. want to make sure that neither one of those things happen. And John says, no, listen to Jesus words. Here's what he said. He said, if, if. he said, if he's providing a scenario, if this is what I wanted, not this is what I want, but if. So make sure to get Jesus' words right. And in that respect, by clarifying these words of Jesus, we see he's not speaking to what's going to become of John the Apostle. At all. And whatever becomes of John the Apostle should not shake Peter from following him or burden Peter. You follow me. Yeah. Whether he's going to die a martyr's death or whether he's going to live forever. It, you follow me. And this is the struggle. Peter gets caught up in this competition mm. that just so often happens between these disciples here. Again, I think it's good for us to see this. The resurrection, while it changed a lot of things and it cleared up a lot of things and it brought these apostles around in a lot of ways, they were still men. Yeah. They were still men that had weaknesses and struggles. I mean, we're going to see that in Peter when we get to Galatians and Paul talks about his struggle that he had with Gentiles and having to rebuke him. Uh, you know, th- those are the kind of things. These these are men. They are not perfect. They are not the son of God himself, but they are ambassadors. But Jesus continues to work through people like this. And like you said, the re- the resurrection doesn't clear everything up. It puts me in mind of the beginning of the book of Acts when uh, Luke does report that there was there was multiple, um, I was going to use the word sightings, that's not the right word, appearances mm-hmm. of Jesus to his apostles for 40 days as he's instructing them about the kingdom of God. And so... What's so cool about John 21 is this is going to be one of those episodes that we get some detail about, but there was a lot more instruction and teaching going on during this period of time before the day of Pentecost. And they asked some questions that certainly demonstrated they still didn't understand it all. Right. And that, of course, reminds us of what Jesus promised, that he was going to send the Spirit to them because there was even more that they were going to need to know that he had not been able to fill them in on because of their lack of ability. Right, right. And so the Spirit was coming to to fill them in on that of course now let's apply this to us Mm. and and what we have to do is we have to remove the competition Mm -hmm. Uh, you know one of the things as i've been walking through the the written devos this week and thinking about what we would say in these conversations i particularly when talking about jesus has a job for you the the thing that kept coming up in my mind is well is my job going to be as good as your job 
Is my mm. job going to be as big, as noticeable, as wonderful as your job? Is mm-hmm. is my job? Well, is my job going to be as big as I wanted it to be? Yeah. Now, you know what? There, there's all kinds of roles and there's all kinds of work. You know, do I get to be the guy that converts thousands of people, or am I the guy who just hands water to the guy who converts a thousand people? Yeah. Again, I think about that uh, Henry Nowen book that we were reading, uh, and he gives this. I don't know, kind of a picture, kind of a story about the fellow who wants to be the the tightrope walker up on the high line and and everybody's watching him and amazed at what he does and how he does it. You know, but there's also this important role of the guy back over in the shadows, you know, holding up girders and things like this. Yeah. And a lot of times we have a view of ourselves in our mind that we are tightrope walkers, whatever our work or ministry is, and all eyes are on us. But if that's the case, we tend to be failed tightrope walkers. Well, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11... <laughs> I'm sorry. Anybody who's listening. Somewhere listened, in Thessalonians. Somewhere in Thessalonians. Yeah. As the mics were off, we went and looked up this passage. First Thessalonians <laughs> 4, 10, 11. Andrew, you referred to this the other day. Uh, we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, to excel still more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Uh, we live in a day of viral videos, of celebrity pastors, uh, of, of people who get their 15 minutes of fame so oddly and so regularly, so many that, that come into the public eye, and it's like, oh, I just wish that could happen to me. I wish one of my posts would go viral. I wish one of my tweets would go viral. I wish one of my sermons would go viral. I wish I could uh, be seen like this. But here's this great statement that Paul makes, aspire to live a quiet life. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I have to tell you, this one time, Andrew, I actually quoted this passage on Facebook. I put this on Facebook. I put it because it was a this, reminder to me. This First Thessalonians 4. About aspiring to a quiet aspiring life. Aspiring to a quiet life. I posted this on Facebook. I posted it on Facebook because I was struggling that day, and I was reminding myself what I was supposed to be aspiring to, mm-hmm. not viral videos, not celebrity discipleship. I'm supposed to be aspiring to a quiet life. Mm-hmm. And in the comments, somebody said, but God expects so much more from us. Hmm. Here I am quoting a Bible verse saying, here's what God asks of us. And we have become so convinced that what God wants is these big, huge, world-changing, life-changing celebrity crazy big things that we're going to quote a Bible verse actually telling us what God wants and people are going to deny it all claiming to support what God really wants for our lives. You know, um, when I, you read the Bible, it's, it's easy for this to happen because you turn page and you see another prophet or another King. And it's like hero after hero, big personality after big personality, or maybe huge failure after huge failure. But what is often lost is the decades that happened in between the lives of these particular people. Oh, yeah. You know, whole lives, whole generations of the people of God have passed between one story and another. And I almost wonder if we get set up for this expectation, I could be the next big one or I'm going to be the next big one, instead of appreciating the decades or the centuries where God needed faithful people between. Serving him, pressing on, yeah, and and pressing on in between. 
Well, let, let's talk, though, about the most important one in all of history. Mm-hmm. The, the prophet, whom we've been reading about in John. Yeah. The Messiah, the king, the celebrity. But let's take a look at his life. You know, there were moments when there were thousands that were hanging on his words. But very often when he got done talking, they said, oh, yeah, actually, we don't like what you have to say. Sure. And they left. Here's the guy. Let's talk about humility. Let's talk about a lack of competition. When he comes into the world, he comes in under the specter of scandal Mm -hmm. to a poor family in a backwoods village that people look down on in Nazareth. Yeah. And then... He, he ends up dying as a criminal, but when it's all said and done, this is to me, talk about the humility of Jesus. If I had risen from the dead, I think I would do what, what happened in the Matrix where Neo shoots up <laughs> into the sky for everybody to see. Mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned this before. Jesus, he, he appears to a handful of men in a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he appears to a handful of women before that. He, he appears to that handful of men again. Yeah. It is true that in one time he did appear to 500 people. But what he doesn't do is go around saying, hey, everybody, look, look, look. I mean, that's actually a credible demonstration of humility instead of self-promotion. And all the way along, Jesus had humility. And of course, because of his humility, he is exalted Mm -hmm. in the resurrection. And now his name is going to be more and more and more and more known. I, I guess... Just, I want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and the realization that it's not go do big things so that everybody will know who I am. It's aspire to live a quiet life so that the people I come in contact with can say, there's something different about that guy. I, yeah. need, to go, I need to go ask him what that is. Yeah. And that uh, that life is about following him. Follow Jesus. You know, re- regardless of what's going to go on in, in another person's life or another preacher's ministry or what's going on with another congregation. I I need to be following him. Yeah. Yeah. It's my turn to pray. It is. I'm just totally lost today. <laughs> when you push those buttons over there, we just never know what's going to happen. It's time for us to wrap up. Holy Lord God, you are our wondrous God. Thank you for your son who died for us, who washes our sins away. And I pray that you would help us to have our eyes on him. We don't, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on Jesus. Help us to walk in his footsteps, to follow him. Help us not to be looking around and wondering what's going to happen with all the people around us and what you're going to use them for. Help us just to keep our eyes on you and to do what you would have us to do today. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why did you do that? All I did was look at you, man. No, I'm talking about before I turned the mic on. (laughs) God, dear, this here tech talk. (laughs) Done called a text doc. Done called text talk.
Happy February, Edwin. Oh, yeah. It's February. <laughs> it's February. We forgot to say that. 